sounded. Walked into all styles. Kyle drives in. Unbelievable hit. Oh! Mountain has clung. Cody Grundy just put it through. You Do you like the sound of that? Australian football has a brand new home on Sirius XM. Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. Shuey's got it in extra time. Driving back to the top of the square. Norton will fly. Kick the goal and Fremantle win it after the siren. With unparalleled access to the AFL's greatest champions and most famous fans. Needs to score. He has kicked the goal. Lightning strikes twice. What's he doing? Security's got to get out of the way. Get out of the way, pal. Coming to you from the home of Australian rules football in Melbourne, Australia. He's the most connected man in Aussie rules. Broadcaster, media icon, club president. Here's Eddie Maguire. Yes, welcome everybody. This is Aussie Footy Rules America with Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211 and a man who kicked 100 goals in the 1987 season, Brian Taylor joins me, the voice of football on the Seven Network. Brian, we're six rounds down and the season is starting to really open up now. Yeah, some real highlights on the weekend too, Ed. We had Port Adelaide winning a game. They've won what is it, five out of their six games now, which is pretty... Pretty incredible. So things are going well. So have a listen to this. Here are the uh, the highlights for round six of AFL. Bit of fire and brimstone in the game early. Hunter kicks forward. Offhands Liberatore. Hand by Bailey Smith. Bouncing, bouncing, bouncy ball. He's home. And they're away. Will Kelly's got his first kick. Runs to 50. First kick could be a goal. Yeah! Will Kelly, you beauty. Salem leaves it behind. Rankin oh. one way. Then the other. No. Oh, first kick in AFL is a beauty. Clever tap came from Pickett. Rich says to Rankin, whatever you do, I can do better. Rainer come in, scooped it up. O'Connor pressed him. Mitch Robinson got out of Buffy Amble. Cameron around the corner. Got and got it to Gresham. And Gresham has kicked a goal. Oh, oh. Long. Now he's got hey. Darcy high with a hip and shoulder here. Papley somehow finds space. Surely can't kick it from there. Tom Papley, yes he can. Wow. Cripps running the boundary line, looks down towards full forward, trying to bounce it through it, he has. Nunes had a fumble, Lipinski picks it up clean, oh. snaps the goal, got his second. Gary Ablett from 50 metres out, he rarely misses these guys. So Eddie Betts right on the siren to make it 103 yeah. points for the Blues. He's got it. Blues have put on a clinic in this one. There it is, Collingwood. Do a big job on Hawthorne. A good night for the Bombers. That's their fourth win of the season. A 27-point win to the Cats. It is nine from nine on the G-Coast for the power. Richmond get the job done over Sydney by eight points. West Coast winners. Harley Bennell, so much spoken about this young man's career. The Ds will come from absolutely everywhere. They've won the game, and Harley's kicked the goal. Look at this. What a special moment. What about the emotion for Harley Bennell and the Melbourne Demons. So there you go. That was round six action. And the uh, the scores of the games, Geelong were fantastic in a 73-46, 27-point victory over the Brisbane Lions. On uh, last Friday, Collingwood and Hawthorne, big game for the Pies after a bit of drama during the week. 59-27, to 27, the Pies winning by 32 points. And that was the lowest uh, score by a Hawthorne club uh, team under Alistair Clarkson, 27 points. Uh, the Dockers and St Kilda is going to be our match of the round, so we'll keep that one up our sleeve. That's coming up straight after our show. West Coast Eagles defeated the Adelaide Crows. Crows haven't won how to win yet, 67-34. Melbourne defeating the Gold Coast Suns. A fantastic win for Melbourne by 17 points, 
80 to 63. Essendon going beautifully at the moment and with a game in hand, 14 point victors over the old enemy North Melbourne, 67 to 53. Port Adelaide, as Brian mentioned, just going beautifully on top of the latter 17 point victors over. Greater Western Sydney, that was a really good game of football. The Giants hit the front at one stage, but Port Adelaide fought back and won 63-46. to And in one of the snooze fests of all time, Richmond, the defending champions, scored 34 mm. points to win by eight points, Brian, against the oh, Sydney God. Swans, 34-26. to As a result of that, the respective coaches, Damien Hardwick and John Longmire, have been punching on with each other. Oh, that was incredible. And I was at that game, did that game, and... To see the lack of attack and, you know, the talk has been about which coach didn't attack and which one did. Well, I can tell you now, it looked to me like the Sydney Swans just weren't interested in scoring at all. And Richmond went, OK, if we if they're not going to score, we can't get through this impenetrable wall. We're just going to uh, pull down the shutters as well. We're in front, so we'll win. That was yeah. the attitude of the game. It was remarkable. Anyway, the next night, Carlton. Carlton are back in action. Can you believe it, Brian? They're in the eight for the first time since 2013. And Carlton won 103-51. to 51. Scott Greenstein, the chief executive of Sirius XM, he'll be doing cartwheels at the moment. The treasurer of Australia came on and sang the Carlton theme song, believe it or not, on our breakfast show on Triple M. We are the neighbours. We are the old Carlton winning by 52 points. So that sets up the ladder, Brian. What's happening as far as yeah. that's concerned? Number one position on the Premiership ladder, Port Adelaide first. Geelong are in second position, having four wins. Brisbane in third. The Bombers, Essendon in fourth. Collingwood in fifth. Richmond in sixth. St Kilda seventh. And as you mentioned, Carlton now into the eighth. The first time in many, many years in eighth position. Outside the eight, Gold Coast in ninth. Starting to fade just a little bit. GWS can't get their game together. West Coast 11, Bulldogs 12, Hawthorne 13th, Fremantle 14th, Melbourne 15th, North Melbourne 16th, just can't put it together, Sydney 17th, and the uh, team that you mentioned before without a win this year, the only team without a win, Adelaide in last position, 18th. So 11 games to go before the finals. Can you put a line through anyone yet, Brian? Yeah, you can definitely put a line through Adelaide, Sydney, North Melbourne, and Look, Melbourne on the same amount of points as North Melbourne, but I still think they've got the ability to put a string of games together if they get going. So North Melbourne, Sydney and Adelaide put a line through them. Now, Brian, uh, the old uh, sledge used to be a big part of Australian rules football. And let's be honest, it, uh, uh, some, some of it is best left behind. Back in the day, I remember it was a great ruck contest between Don Scott of Hawthorne, one of the most fiercest competitors, and Crackers Keenan, a bloke called Peter Crackers Keenan. The fact that he was known as Crackers because he was Crackers. And he lined up, and Scotty had jumped up into him and kicked him in the uh, agates, had uh, kicked yep. him in the lower abdomen region in the testicles, and uh, Crackers waited for the next bounce, and he faced him and looked at him, and he said, Face me, you weak. And uh, they were at each other, and you knew what was going to come next. Now, it's slightly changed a little bit, but there was a really funny, interesting scenario this week, Brian, when a young bloke called Riley O'Brien of the Adelaide Crows, bottom of the ladder, he's just starting to emerge as a player, and he sent himself on his notes on his phone just some, some points, key points for himself to get ready to go to take on Nick Natanui and the West Coast Eagles. Arguably the number one ruckman in the competition over the last five years, Nick Natanui. He's an imposing man. He's ready to go. And suddenly this went out to the ether. Riley O'Brien sent this tweet, a reminder to himself on how to play on Nick Natanui that weekend coming up. He says, beat Nick Nat. Well, that's obvious. Run yep. off him hard. 
he is lazy and unfit. Oh. Uh, we'll have, have a field day, he says. So that was the main thing. Get in front, have some grunt, second group, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the thing that really, really got up uh, Nick Nat's uh, nose a little bit was <laughs> he's lazy and unfit. Run off him, basically. Unfortunately, he had a, a dodgy phone. And uh, while he put it into his notes, it actually went out on Twitter. And as a result of that, Riley was quick to apologise before the game. Phone decided to cark it, and I've had an absolute mare on my social media today. Uh, it tweeted some of my game notes uh, in my notes on my iPhone. Uh, that I, I take these notes every week before the game to try and pump myself up and get a bit of confidence going into the game. Make a few things up, as you can see on the notes, to try and give myself confidence. Um, coming up this week against probably who I think is the best ruckman in the competition at the moment, Nick Nat. Uh, I was just trying to get some confidence and get going. So I really put the pressure on myself now. Uh, so I really got to walk the walk this week and try and get a kick against uh, the superstar that is Nick Nat. So we'll see how we go. So he's gone from pumping himself up to this bloke's lazy. He won't be able to chase me. I'm going to give him a flogging to... He's a pretty good player, Nick Nananui. And, uh, I hope I haven't offended him and anything else like that. Best, now, Brian, you, in the comp. you saw the game. Uh, they both did pretty well in the end, didn't they? Yeah, it was probably a nil-all draw in the end. I don't reckon there really was a winner in the end. So Riley, Riley did well. Nick Nat did well. Kicked a goal or two in the game as well. So... I think in the end, there was no harm done. Poor old uh, Riley O'Brien. He copped it all week. Uh, Nick Nett said nothing to him through the course of the game, which I thought was great tactics. But after the match, he went up to him and said, well, uh, Riley, you might have a dodgy phone, but here's something for you. You've been in the uh, news most of the week. There was a tweet that... uh was sent from a uh, broken phone, apparently. Uh, you were just having a uh, chat, and you passed something over from Telstra, apparently, from Riley, uh, yeah, to Riley. Telstra crew got a hold of it, so they gave me a uh, brand-new Samsung, so it's a better phone than I got. I think it's about 1500 bucks. so I'm scared that people are going to keep talking smack every week to get a new phone, so, nah, it's one of the nice guys, so he didn't mean any malice in it. Uh, what was the chat there at the end? Looked like you had a good contest, and there was, uh, yeah, some mutual yeah. respect. Oh, it makes it pretty exciting. I love it. It's good, and, um, yeah, you got respect for each other. He, um, like I said, one of the nice guys, so... Uh, it's good to get the win, and um, we played some good footy too. Well done to Nick Natanui and the West Coast Eagles. Didn't go on with it. In fact, presented him with a $1,500 Samsung phone, which I thought was great <laughs> stuff. Go back to the uh, 2000s, Brian, and the Brisbane Lions really got into mental disintegration following off what Australian cricket captain Steve War used to do. And they used to have a psychologist who used to give a dossier to every player about the players they were playing on. And it was interesting because I remember they used to have for Paul Lecuria, the Collingwood player, who was such a hard-at-it, tough player, but with a heart of gold. And they said, don't go up and p- push him and shove him and get him angry because that'll just focus him up. Go over and tell him how you know, a good bloke he is and how's things going. And, you know, I hear you're doing a lot of good charity work. And, and Paul would be so kind-hearted that he'd start t- talking and, and it'd take his focus off the game. Whereas uh, if you went up to you or to Dermot Brereton and you started cracking a gag, you'd probably have a bit of a laugh along with it as well. But if you punched you or stood on your toe or did something or gave you an elbow or a punch in the back of the head, that fired you up. Now, how did you go in those situations when people used to get the big full backs coming up wanting to intimidate you? How did you go? Oh, look, I remember one particular game, Ed, we were playing Carlton in the final and there was this guy, I won't mention his name, he was playing full back. He was my direct opponent. And as a, the game hadn't started and I was walking to the goal square to take up my position and he put his hand out to shake my hand and I just went bang, uh, got him right in the jaw with a fist to the jaw instead of the handshake to, yeah. you know, uh, good luck today. I just went bang. And I knew that because this guy was just a little bit soft and I knew that if I did that, I would have his mark for the rest of the day. And I did. He never went near the footy after that. That's it. How many did you kick that day? 
I, I think I kicked five that day, Ed. So, Brian, you, you, you punched a Carlton Blake in the mush instead yep. of shaking his hand, wearing a Collingwood jumper and kicked five goals. It's the only time I've ever punched anyone, Ed, and I'm I think I a little you. bit funny about it. I think it. I love you, Brian. <laughs> I th- no, I think it's one of the greatest things you've ever told me. That is one of the yeah. all-time great stories. <laughs> anyway, it all worked out nicely. That was another time and place. A bloke who is a champion fullback of Carlton is Stephen Silvani. He's going to come on shortly and tell us about a great saying in Australian rules football. But coming up next, an Aussie who starred alongside Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, Will Smith, Margot Robbie and the great Russell Crowe. He's a bona fide Hollywood star. He has a new uh, series out on Netflix in the United States called Stateless. His name is Jai Courtney. He's our special guest talking footy and show business next on Aussie Footy Rules America with Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio, Channel 211. Basketball has become a global game. From legends such as Hakeem Olajuwon and Dirk Nowitzki to today's superstars like Giannis and Luka Doncic. Giannis to the rim, slam it with the left hand. There's no shortage of international talent in the NBA. World of Basketball with Fran Fraschilla is a podcast dedicated to profiling the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the sport in their countries. New episodes are available Thursday on the SiriusXM app and Pandora Podcasts. Now back to Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. Aussie Footy Rules America with Eddie Maguire. This is Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio, Channel 211. And what a pleasure it is to bring on another Aussie who is just shooting it up in, a st- in America at the moment, doing great things. And uh, Jai Courtney is an Australian actor who has got a new show called Stateless going on on uh, Netflix. But apart from that, has had an amazing body of work uh, going back to 2012 with Jack Reacher with Tom Cruise. 2013, A Good Day to Die Hard with Bruce Willis. 2014, The Water Diviner with Russell Crowe. 2015, Terminator Genesis with Arnold Schwarzenegger. 2016, Suicide Squad with Will Smith and another Aussie and Margot Robbie. And Storm Boy with Jeffrey Rush in 2019. That's just the headline, acts, if you don't mind. And Jai joins us right now. G'day, Jai. How are you, Eddie? Thanks uh, for having me. Right, great to have you on board, mate, because... It is a fair body of work. You must be proud of it. And uh, you've worked with some big names over there, haven't you? I've had the chance to work with some great, uh, some great actors, some great creatives across the board, actually. Yeah, I'm, I am proud. It's been good. It's been kind to me. I, you know, I grounded out for a few years before things picked up. But, um, you know, 2012 was a good year. And, and having looked back, man, it's, uh, it's been all right. Joe, what I love about your career is that uh, you started living in Sydney. You went to what's known in Australia as WAPA, the West Australian Performing Arts, where Hugh Jackman, who's a friend of the show, started off his career. And from there, you really got on the tools. You worked around, you did great theatre, you started Macbeth in, on stage in Melbourne, and then you've gone over and taken on the world in America, and you're starting to, not only starting to build through, but mate, you, you've really made cut through. And why we love that is because you're starting to blaze a trail for so many other Australians coming into uh, entertainment in America. It's been great, man. It's, I've had, uh, I have been lucky. I, uh, you know, I did, I got out of Whopper, as you mentioned, in Perth, studied there for three years. And my whole kind of entry to the business was through theatre. That was really the goal, actually, when I was sort of young and wanting to, wanting to get on stage. And then um, I don't know how I escaped the clutches of Summer Bay and Ramsey Street, but um, managed to slip through the cracks somehow. And uh, yeah, got out here, uh, you know, a couple of years after drama school and 
It's been grinding away, man, doing as we do. Yeah, well, mate, this, it's not too late. We'll get you to Ramsey Street at some stage. Everybody must go through <laughs> Ramsey Street. <laughs> uh, now, Jai, ostensibly, as I said, this is a show about Australian rules football. You're from Sydney, so I don't know why I'm talking to you. but uh, you. Did... I'm a leaky. I'm a leaky, mate. Who's your team in uh, the NRL? Oh, it's the bunnies for sure. Uh, Crow got hold of you, did he? Did Crow put you in a headlock? He did, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, he he dropped me a text before this show, made sure I gave the right plug. He sent me <laughs> one of his caps, you know. But um, no, they always have been. Well, I was a I was a North Sydney Bears boy growing up, but they got the boot when kind of everything went haywire back in the day. And then uh, you know, you kind of I don't know. I've always liked the working class clubs, and uh, I'm more of a fan of the game than anything. But um, yeah, do follow the bunnies closely and. Uh, they're having a bit of a sketchy season this year, but I reckon they'll come good. Right, so that's the uh, South Sydney Rabbitohs for those who are listening in. Uh, even in Victoria, no one knows who they are, but uh, no, nah, we all do. In fact, they, they've been a great team. And Russell Crowe, the international superstar, who pulled them uh, out of being basically put into an extinction. That would have been two clubs you would have fixed up, by the way, Jai, if you had have lost the South <laughs> yeah. Sydney Rabbitohs. I don't know if you're a jinx. Don't break for Colin. Can you bury for Carlton, maybe? But no. Yeah, uh, sure. sure. <laughs> Jai, but uh, what Russell's done has been quite phenomenal. Uh, having worked with him, what's your insights into Russell? I- I'll tell you a little story about my life with Russell. When I first went to Sydney as CEO of the Nine Network, I received a phone call. And I was just in a hotel. It was one of those nights I'd finished work. And I was sitting by myself. My family's still back in Melbourne. And downstairs, uh, I was told to come downstairs, and there sitting in his Bentley convertible was Russell Crowe. He said, get in. <laughs> and he uh, he took me on a tour of Sydney. He showed me where the best dry cleaner was, the best pub that didn't have poker machines, where you could have a drink. We went around. This is the beach you can go to to take the kids where there's no paparazzi. This is where you want to do this. He absolutely opened up the Russell Crowe family album and gave it all to me on my first day there. And then... We went back into Redfern to find that pub that didn't have any poker machines. And we had a huge night where at one stage we walked through a park and there was a guy who was a bit down on his luck at a soup kitchen and he was swinging on a a brown bottle in a brown paper bag and he looked up and he saw Russell Crowe and he had another swig. And then I walked past and uh, was pretty famous in those days in in Australia. And he looked back at the bottle again and shook his head. He thought, oh, I've got to get off this stuff. If I think that Eddie Maguire and Russell Crowe are walking through a park in Redfern at two in the morning. (laughs) And Crowe has just been sensational to so many people over the years. And I get the feeling that there's a real camaraderie amongst the, uh, particularly the acting fraternity in America from these parts of the world. For sure there is indeed. And and Rusty's like, he's as as hospitable as it comes, you know, everyone knows that about him. uh, And he is a social social being as we all know so we've all had those nights which has uh, been great but he was awesome with us i mean we worked we did a film as you mentioned called the water diviner uh which came out a couple of years ago now and he was great i mean he assembled this fantastic group of actors and we did this great boot camp up at his farm in nana Glen. and um i don't know he really took everyone under his wing uh, you know and, and uh had a lot to share a lot to give he's, he's um he really is like that and I think Aussies in general tend to be, you know, we all take care of each other out here. And then, you know, getting to go home and work on things like Stateless, uh, which we're talking about today, yeah. and, and work with amazing Aussie talent that are, that are, you know, still budding through, who haven't perhaps even, you know, they haven't bought that ticket yet and came out and given it a shot. But it's, it's fantastic to see, you know, the talent we're producing in Oz, that's for sure. Jai is starring in Stateless, Netflix's new release. It was globally released on July 8, co-created by... Kate Blanchett, another Aussie, Oscar winner, superstar, inspired by true events. It's a six-episode series. It follows the story of four diverse strangers who intersect 
at an immigration detention centre in the Australian outback. So it's topical worldwide at the moment. Let's play a little bit of the trailer from Stateless. Can you confirm that an Australian citizen has been illegally detained in Barton? People will be very interested in you. They will want to know why someone who looks just like them trapped in a place like this. She's been missing for weeks and you're telling me you've got nothing? Do you think this group had something to do with your sister's disappearance? It isn't safe to say who I really am. People are dying. Families are being destroyed. <gasps> that was the one chance that they had to be a family. You took that from them. I'm a father, a man of faith. Why can't you see that when you look at me? She doesn't know what we are capable of. Cannot put a lid over a pot that's already boiling. I don't belong here. You're stuck here unless you tell me who you really are. I think they've done something to my sister. If I were you, I would run, because if I ever lay eyes on you again, I'll destroy you. The world should know what they are doing to us here. Soon they will. I want to be loved. Now, the series was first released, Jai, for Australian TV and received rave reviews. Your performance was specifically highlighted, and congratulations for that. It went to the Berlin Film Festival, did so well that Netflix acquired it. And uh, as I said, Kate Blanchett and superstar Asha Ketty here in Australia, also part of the ensemble. Mate, uh, give us an insight into to Stateless and, and how it's affected you. Yeah, I mean, it was an amazing production to work on. I was approached for it and obviously finding out Kate was involved from an embryonic yeah. standpoint from the thing. They, they created it. They Her and Elise McCready, Tony Ayers, producer, and um, it's kind of hatched this idea. Uh, and it, it developed over the years and sort of took shape and, I think what's amazing about it is it's, you know, it's sort of, it is topical, as you mentioned, but it's not really a political story so much as it is a, a human story. Yeah. And uh, I think what it does so well is it, it humanizes this kind of, um, these issues that the world are grappling uh, with, you know, it's like, it's sort of not foreign to any country in, this, in the world, particularly in the West, dealing with the refugee and asylum seeker kind of crisis. And I don't know, it doesn't really jam a, a particularly hard line uh down the audience's throat doesn't tell people how to feel but because it's sort of you're looking at four different unique perspectives uh it really sort of picks it apart and uh yeah humanizes something that um i think the world's struggling with and highlights a system that's that's really the broken thing that that ultimately is is letting everybody down whether it's a, from the you know bureaucratic standpoint or uh you know refugees that are in there yeah. i play a guard a, you know a working class bloke who's taken a job in the detention center all in the pursuit of, uh, you know, the betterment of their family situation, um, which is a, you know, human instinct we can all re- sort of relate to. And, um, you know, unfortunately we're looking at things that, that really, uh, I don't know, haven't worked out for anyone. And it's, it's, it's a, you know, it's a heartbreaking story. It's pretty intense drama, but I think it'll force uh, the conversation forward and, uh, and, and hopefully kind of, you know, inspire change, you know, if not on a sort of, um, policy level than at least in the minds of, of, of the public. Joe, I've got to ask you, as I said, this is ostensibly Aussie footy rules America with Eddie Maguire on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio, Channel 211. Uh, I've got a photo here in front of me of you actually being presented with a Carlton Football Club jumper. Now, that. Yep. What, what, what happened there? I was on a press tour, might have been for uh, far out, what would that have been? Maybe Die Hard or something? And I got down, I had a kick with the boys yeah. and they gave me, a, gave me a jersey, mate. I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen any Magpies jersey coming my way, so. Well, well, we'll sort that out. Now, I've got to fix you up, okay? This is this is where Sydney and Melbourne diverge, okay? You say Jersey, we say Guernsey. Yeah, I don't know what a Guernsey is. It's a, it's, it's 
odd terminology. That's some Melbourne. That's some Melbourne phrasing. That is fine. Well, you've got Jersey and you've got Guernsey and you've got, well, let's just call it a jumper. But uh, A jumper. Uh, there you go. Have you picked a side? I mean, is Carlton your team or you're a Sydney Swans guy or a Greater Western Sydney or as, as you Honestly, I'll be, I'll be really honest with you, Eddie. I don't have any uh, real well, allegiance. Well, anyone? Well, you do now, baby. I can tell you. Mate. <laughs> <laughs> Have I got the team for you, mate? You're a working class guy. You're successful. You're crowies, mate. Uh, and and Russell and I have actually uh, over the years worked uh, close together, and we we exchanged a lot of ideas between Collingwood and South Sydney. And uh, particularly when Russell was taking over, we we had a lot of uh, a lot of talks, and we've continued to these days. And I think what he's done has Very just good. been absolutely magnificent. I don't think he gets ne- nearly the credit. Uh, that he, well, he doesn't get the credit for the stuff he does in your industry, far less in the sports industry. But uh, he's a great man and he's doing great things. Hey, Jai, um, one final thing: the the Australian sports, uh, whether it's rugby league or Australian rules football, do you think there is a market in the United States? Uh, given you know, I was talking I to. I think there uh, is. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Look, you know, the league's up and running. Uh, you know, doing their thing at the moment, which was obviously a challenge to get off its feet. But I think. I really uh, commend them on it, and I got to tell you, a lot of my uh, a lot of my Yankee mates have been getting around it. Certainly in a time like this, when there's very little live sport going on, but but they love it, man. I think there is building awareness, and 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 some of the cable networks out here have, have been airing airing it a bit. I mean, it's they're both great sports, and there is I think there is an awareness. American sport, I guess, is such a huge, huge, huge thing. Uh, there's so much gameplay across the board. I mean, you know, baseball and the NBA and stuff. Every night of the week, just about, there's um, stuff going on. So probably the saturation of that creates a little less room for us to poke through. But um, but I know people that are aware of it uh, certainly um, are passionate about it. And um, yeah, man, hopefully we can bring more attention because we got some uh, phenomenal phenomenal athletes and uh, some great sports down there. So. I'm certainly uh, spruiking it everywhere I go. Good on you, Joe. Well, you'll be able to pick up all the football, Australian Rules football on Fox, uh, on their soccer channel, but also ESPN for the first time in over 30 years are broadcasting matches now. So thanks to ESPN for supporting Sirius XM and the two organisations came together to pull this into uh, sort of a package, if you like. So thanks to everyone at ESPN. So the Australian Rules football is now on on a weekly basis on ESPN and, as I said, on Fox. Hey, Jai, you've been very, very generous with your time, mate. We really appreciate it. Once again, everybody, get on board Stateless. It is a, a sensational six-part series starring Kate Blanchett, this man, Jai Courtney, and, as I mentioned, Asha Ketty. It is a, a, a wonderful Australian production, and we hope that you get on board. And, uh, Jai, good luck with everything you're doing, and thanks for your time today, buddy. Good on you, Eddie. Thanks so much for having me. Cheers, mate. That is Jai Courtney. Not only one of Australia's great exports to America, but a dyed-in-the-wool Aussie does great things promoting and looking after his fellow Aussies and people in the United States at the moment. As you can see, he's a really good example of uh, what Australia and America is all about, the, uh, the, the, the great synergy between the two countries, not only in sport but in entertainment, and I think there's a, a growing bridge between these two great uh, countries. Jai, cheers, mate. We'll catch you soon. We're going to take a break on Aussie Footy Rules America with Eddie Maguire. Dan Patrick Radio, Channel 211 on Sirius XM. Hey everyone, this is Lisa Ann and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week, I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the Sirius XM app and Apple Podcasts.
just an Aussie bloke having a yarn with the biggest celebrities Australia has to offer about the biggest sport down under. This is Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. Yes, and next week, make sure you join us with Paul Hogan. Crocodile Dundee himself will be joining us on Aussie Footy Rules America with Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio, Channel 211. And also, if you want to talk to us and we'd love to get you on, uh, please uh, email us at eddie, E-W-D-I-E, dot Maguire, M-C-G-U-I-R-E, at SiriusXM.com. That's eddie.maguire at SiriusXM.com. Uh, Brian, one of the uh, <laughs> interesting parts of our game is what is colloquially known as a don't argue. Now, Stephen Silvani, the fullback of the century from Carlton, will explain what a don't argue is in detail. But I'd just like to explain to you, do you know where the origin of don't argue comes from? I have no idea. Right. Well, let me tell you. It used to be an ad for Hutton's Footy Franks. Right. So they are Savaloys, sausages, little hot dogs, if you like, in America. And on the packet, it used to have two blokes who looked like two vagabonds. And it was uh, just a... Uh, a, a caricature, and it used to, their their um, motto was "Don't argue, Hutton's is best." And the photo, the the drawing was of one of the vagabonds with his hand in his uh, mate's face, saying "Don't argue," and pushing him mm-hmm. off like that. And that's where it started being picked up in the modern vernacular, "Don't argue." So when when the players used to thrust out the arm on Triple M football, we'd call it a "Don't argue," and it's picked itself up. And of course, these days, Dustin Martin has made it into an art form. So what is a don't argue? Stephen Silvani, Carlton superstar, fullback of the century, tries to explain. Footy 101 with Aussie Rules Hall of Famer, Stephen Silvani. What about that? When your child is being a pain in the ass and behaving disagreeably, what do you do? What do you do? Put your hand up and say, don't argue, kid. In Aussie rules, the don't argue or stiff arm is when a player attempts to tackle you and you stick the heel of your palm right into their sternum and push them away. The greatest exponent is Richmond star Dustin Martin. He's trouble, the don't argue from Dustin. Streams in, check side, bang! Zach Tui comes in, it spills out to Martin. A couple of don't argues, did really well, Dusty. He got it a tie, Vickery. Like being sent to the naughty corner. Oh. Big Being given the don't argue is one of the more demoralising things that can happen to a player. Isaac Smith started beautifully. A little don't argue. Runs to 40. Isaac, that's a big goal. But the fans love it. Absolutely they do, especially when Dustin so, Martin does it. That's years of doing bench pressing, Brian. So you go whack with the, the stiff arm right into the sternum and off they go. Yeah, as long as you don't get them in the head, it's all legal. You can do it, Ed. But you, So what are you saying with the history of the don't argue then? Mm that players never did this beyond about 50 years ago. It wasn't well, part of our game. To, it, was, it was more, it was, it was done, Brian, but uh, it's become, in modern times, all the commentators have got on board that don't argue. Yeah. It'll be a fend-off in the old days or a bit of push and shove and things like that. But uh, the don't argue, which, as I said, originated from the uh, Hutton's footy franks, and uh, we have to, might have to get some in to have a look at them, Brian. I might yeah. have to cook some up for you. So the old hot dogs, if you like, uh, from the old days. And that's where it comes from. Hey, Barge, uh, as a commentator, sometimes fear is struck into your heart when a new player with uh, a few syllables in the surname comes into play. How'd you go this week when Collingwood young star Artu Pasenavalagi was picked to play for the Magpies for the first time? 
I don't know how I went, Ed, but when I looked at the name and I went, goodness gracious me, I've got to get this out in seconds. Many times throughout the game, I was worried. It took me back to Robert Dippier Domenico's name or, you know, Steel Sidebottom or whoever. But this Anthony one, Kudafides. Anthony Boston Velaghi. Is that it? Boston Velaghi. That's what I said, yeah. I think. Yeah, you did very well, actually. Uh, a few didn't quite get there. But let me tell you the story about uh, young Artu. His great uncle is actually Collingwood Cheer Squad legend Joffa Korth. Yes. Uh, Artu is from Fiji. He's Fijian born. His family came across to Australia. He's a young man. He went to my old school, Brian, Christian Brothers College in St Kilda. And uh, Artu had been picked up last year in the draft by Collingwood. A young player came and, and took a little while to find his feet as far as learning the game of AFL football at senior level as opposed to just being a schoolboy star where he saw the ball and just went and got it. Had to learn the patterns, had to learn how to play, had to learn the team structures of the Collingwood Football Club. He set himself to do it. And uh, at times, you know, there's a few people who didn't think maybe he would get there, that it might just be a little bit too much for him. He might be a bit too small. He might not be able to just fit into the big time of AFL football. Well, on the last week, he got the call up from Nathan Buckley and he rang his mum, Mary. And let's have a listen to Artu telling his mum, Mary, that he was going to be picked to play in the famous black and white stripes of the Collingwood Football Club. Oh, my boy. Hello. Uh, how, I, yeah. how are you, I'm good, I'm good. Just good. Uh, got some news. Yes. Um, I'll be playing my first game this week. What? Yeah. Wala. Uh, uh, yeah, on Friday. Oh, my God. Yeah, so, yeah. When, when, was, when was this made? I just found out this morning. So you yeah, just had a meeting. So, uh, uh. Oh, I'm so proud of you, my boy. Ah, uh, thank you. <clears throat> hey, mum, don't cry. When did, you, when did you find out? Just then. I thought you were emergency. Yeah, then I got put up. I think Dex came out, so... Oh, my boy! Mm. I'm so proud of you. I'm so sad I can't be there. Ah, that's all right. Oh, my <clears throat> gosh! And, I've, I've, and, oh, my God, this is perfect timing because I put the foxtail back on. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> oh, my gosh, my boy! Um, but, yeah, I have to go soon. I'll, like, right now. All so, right. Cause I I'll, I'll talk to you later. I love you and... and love um, you, too. I'm so proud of you. That That's, that's oh, freaking awesome. All right, my love. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, love you. Love you, my boy. Yeah, oh, that was great stuff. Uh, R2 talking to his mum, Mary. I, I spoke to Mary later in the day, Brian, <laughs> and uh, she was still so excited, uh, her husband R2 Sr., and uh, she was just saying all the years of, uh, as every mother is involved in this situation, driving R2 to training, washing the socks and the jumpers and the mud and cleaning the boots and picking him up when he was knocked over and the blood nose and the disappointments. And I suppose the other thing is that uh, we don't often think about those young kids who aren't quite up to senior level and the battles they're going through. Every week all their friends are asking them, when are you going to get a game? When are you going to get a game? When are you going to get a game? And then finally it comes through. So the emotion was there. Joffa Korf, of course, the old uh, cheer squad leader at Collingwood. He lives in yep. Fiji these days. And uh, we spoke to Joff and he told us that he called him for years two words 
because that's all he ever got out of him, two words. He was a very <laughs> quiet young bloke, but he used to run up and down the aisle at the MCG in the Collingwood Cheer Squad with Joffa watching the Magpies, and last weekend he played beautifully. Now, Brian, I reckon you did pretty well with his name, Artu Bosunavalagi, but a few yeah. others didn't quite go so well. Rosemary, here's how Luke Darcy and Howie called the game on Triple M football. Here is Bosunavalagi, the young man Bosunavalagi, Bosunavalagi, the boss man. Well done, R2. Now the ball is in the hands of Bosunavalagi, Bosunavalagi. Been good, R2, isn't he? Here he is again, Bosunavalagi. <laughs> Bosunavalagi. Bosunavalagi. The great man, R2, Bosunavalagi. That's it. Bosunavalagi, very soon on debut. <laughs> a few struggling there, Brian. I thought you were just about the caller of the week as far as uh, Artu's name was concerned. Here's Brian Taylor and Bruce McAvaney calling on Channel 7. Bossavagalu, he's been good, and here's Wills. Caught with the ball, Bossanavalagu. Now gets rid of it. Now an opportunity for Bossanavalagu. He's got the ball, takes a couple of bounces, found a way. Bossanavalagu got it here on wing. Good kick to Bossanavalagu. That came from Trelaw. Yeah, got there. You got a bit of. A, you had an oo there going there, yeah, Brian. I think you thought I had it was a, Greek for a minute. <laughs> I think I had an e and an oo. I think I did it three different ways in three goes. <laughs> Here's Tim Lane having a crack at it on three AW. Picked oh. up by uh, Basena Valani. Now uh, Basena Valani, who uh, gives it off, and Collingwood advance. Basena Valani runs forward, who kicks to Basena Valani. Just behind the wings to Trelaw. Kicks forward. Bossana Valani. good. Really providing life up forward. No wonder Collingwood won. We had 23 players. We had blokes everywhere. Uh, I think they put a media release out on how to say it uh, before the game, Ed, but I don't think anyone read it. <laughs> it takes a while sometimes to pick it up. Don't forget, email us at eddiemaguire at SiriusXM.com. That's E-double-D-I-E dot Maguire, M-C-G-U-I-R-E at Sirius. S-I-R-I-U-S-X-M dot com. We'd love to hear from you and get you on the show next week. Brian, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're previewing St Kilda versus Fremantle and one of their uh, greats, a coach of both sides, Ross Lyon, is our special guest as Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio, Channel 211. Hey everyone, this is Nicole Auerbach and I want to invite you inside the Coaches Clubhouse, a brand new podcast from SiriusXM that examines what drives coaches on and off the sidelines. We talk to coaches from all different sports and all walks of life about their passion for the profession, their mentors, philosophies, and stories, and also what they care about when they're outside the spotlight. We'll give you a unique perspective on some of the greats in their profession, from Olympic coaches to Super Bowl champions and everyone in between. New episodes out every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. Australian football's new home is at Sirius XM. Now back to Aussie Football Rules America with Eddie Maguire. Yeah, welcome back. Aussie Footy Rules America. Eddie Maguire and Brian Taylor in the chair on Sirius XM. Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211. And it's a great pleasure to welcome one of the finest minds in football, Ross Lyon, who coached St Kilda for 121 games from 2007 to 211, taking them to the grand final on two occasions. And the Fremantle coach... From 2012 to 2019, 184 games, also taking Fremantle to the big dance. And one of the great analysts in football, a fantastic player in his own right. He joins us today on Sirius XM. Good on you, uh, Rossi. Welcome to the show, mate. Very generous words, Ed. Thank you. 
No, I think that's pretty accurate words. In fact, if anything, I was probably understanding you a little bit there, Ross, in what you've been able to bring to football. And before we get into it, there's, there's a lot of talk at the moment about the, the standard of games and the way it's being played. There was a bit of a, a beef during the week between Damien Hardwick, the Richmond coach, and John Longmire, the Sydney Swans coach, about who was actually making the game look like a bad spectacle. What I liked out of all that, uh, once everybody calmed the farm a little bit, was the fact that we actually got in behind, looked at behind the goal vision, and they, in fighting each other, actually explained the tactics of the game and allowed people like yourself, pundits, to actually explain the game rather than to talk in generalities. Uh, what was your thoughts on, on the little to and fro between the Richmond coach and the Sydney Swans coach? Well, it's a little bit unusual. Uh, the coaching fraternity is closer than it was like in the 70s and 80s and probably 90s where the coaches were quite fierce at each other, I think, like shooting in walls and, and park and uh, they were quite ferocious. But uh, Don't forget per- Percy, Percy Jones and Tony Jewell were punching on it three-quarter time yeah. one time. He almost come to blows out at uh, Waverley there. So um, it's a little bit more collegiate. It was unusual for an opposition coach to critique the other team, the way they're playing and assert blame for the, the ugliness of the spectacle. So, um, but it was good that, you know, um, Damien Hardwick rang John Longmire post to apologise for his press um, conference remarks, but I think it was given a short shift, really. He also said, well, once it's in the marketplace, yeah, um, I've got to deal with it, and which he did. I, I thought his press conference was fine. Um, you know, he said this was his point of view on the mechanics of the game and how they set up to defend. But, um, look, it was was good theatre. And and you're right, it gave everyone an insight to, you know, or the stimulus to dive in deep and have a look to the mechanics of the game and what they were talking about. Yeah, it was was an interesting and unusual. Ross, you didn't take any prisoners in the post-match either. And I'm reminded, of course, of... The first time ever a game for a, fi- a finals match was played at Geelong's home ground. You weren't happy that you had to go down to Cadinia Park for this particular game of football. But uh, the Fremantle Dockers prevailed. It was a big upset win. But uh, after the game, there was one journalist in particular who was trying to give you a bit of a poke <laughs> about your club maybe going outside the rules of the game, playing a bit more of a physical brand, if you like. And have a listen to uh, the 3AW reporter Shane McGuinness going head-to-head with Ross Lyon. Ross, we saw a number of players go down off the ball. Was there a message before the game you wanted your players to be physical at all times? Or was that... Well, I'm not sure what you're alluding to. Are you talking about Dockers players or Geelong players? Geelong players. We saw a few Geelong players. Well, I think you're out of line because what I saw, I saw some Dockers players go down off the ball. I'm sure, I'm sure yeah. they were as well. But yeah. did you have a message to your players in particular? What do you think? I don't know. You tell me. I'm a coach. Well, I just think it's a silly question. Okay. We play within the rules. Zach Dawson's game, Ross, would have been like that. I think it's about four first one. Yeah. What's your name? Mine. Yeah. Shane. Shane who? McGinnis. Okay, that's the best question you can come up with after two hours of footy. You're quite brilliant, Shane. Yeah, terrific. Yeah, just go to Behind the Girls Vision and have a look. We'll see what comes out. Terrific, Shane. Yeah. There you go. So you're invoking behind the goals vision even back then, Ross. And these days on Channel 9's Footy Classified, you've got your own segment called You're Quite Brilliant. It's fantastic. Amazing how these things turn out. It is. I think it's become an iconic statement, which one would never believe. But uh, I suppose the context of that was Geelong live in a regional centre outside of Melbourne. And uh, typically that final would be played at the MCG. 
the home of football. And we're coming from Perth and we'll shunt it down to, to Geelong, first final in 100 years. And they'd won something like, I don't know, 58 or 62 games at home. So the odds were against us. Uh, we started slowly. And Geelong had been a powerhouse of the competition. Both of us finished top four and it was the opportunity to go into a preliminary final, I think it might have been. Uh, and they're a very physical team. I remember the message before the game was, look, if you want to start anything, let's stand up here. Let's not be intimidated. So um, we certainly did that. It was a very uh, physical game. There was some off-the-ball incidents. So the first thing I walked into after what I thought was a famous victory, I thought my players were being set up to be investigated. I thought he was working for you, Eddie, at the time, being <laughs> the media mogul that you were. So my radar was up. You did. I remember yeah, you said, yeah, you actually asked that. You said, is Eddie setting all this up? And I'm, I'm sitting up there in the commentary box. How am I getting a sledge here? I mean, I'm getting the backhand from Ross Lyon. I'm not even involved. Mind you, I did think, I wish I had a thought of that. <laughs> and because that night I drove up to Melbourne and we watched, it was Collingwood play Port in the final. And Port won, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I hate to bring that up, Eddie. But yeah, uh, so anything else. I, I didn't have worried. But yeah, like the Cats were an aggressive team. So I was like, you know, the poor pussycats, like pre-mental doctors. So, I, look, at all times, you're trying to represent your club, um, speak to your members and fans and, and board and, and send a message to your play group as well. So, Well, I've, had, I've actually had to face on. up to... I've had to face up in uh, Super Bowl week to Bill Belichick on occasions, and uh, uh, Bill doesn't mince his words with uh, some of the questions that come from I the had, media. I had to face up to Greg Popovich. He gave it to me too, yeah. right? <laughs> I did hear that story, bro. Yeah. What did yeah. you say? You tried interviewing pre-game? I tried to interview. They're, they're telling me up in the box, go, go, interviewing, interviewing. And, and I, could, I knew the media guy had already said, no, he's not talking to anyone. So I thought, oh, I'll give it a go. I went up and he just he just walked away, just looked at me in amazement that I'd actually asked if he would be interviewed. So that was interesting. Hey, Ross, just 50 years ago, 40 years ago in our game, there was virtually none of it was pre-planned. The players would just uh, get the position they were playing and they would just go out and play. How much of our game today would you think is pre-planned, pre-organised? It was a very positional game, wasn't it? An offensive game. We lagged the world in regard to invasion sports strategy. So if you talk about um, lacrosse, basketball and, and soccer, they, they were well advanced in um, defensive strategies and, and team defence. Basketball talk about help defence, don't defend. Really, don't defend what you don't have to. Um, and position in relation to the ball. Whereas previously, defences positioned in relation to their direct opponents. So we just had one-on-one matchups everywhere of people holding the ground. But now it's a real transitional game that really every minute there's a couple of turnovers more so. So it's just a game of transition, really. The old term aerial ping pong was a great analogy because it, it really was just a transition turnover game. So, look, they're really just given principles. The game's not scripted so much in that, you know, you know what's going to happen. But it's more, if you get hold of the ball, try and control and value the ball. There's different styles. Like Richmond, they'll control the ball a little bit, but they're more inclined to take the contest on and surge. Where other teams play like soccer, make the ground big. Everyone's trying to break down defences, so separate the defences and control the ball by taking short kicks and uncontested marks. Hey, Ross, uh, let's have a look at St Kilda and Fremantle. That's the game that's coming up next here on uh, Sirius XM, Dan Patrick Radio 211. You coach both sides. Can you give us an insight into 
the DNA of both clubs. Uh, they're interesting clubs. St Kilda, an, an original team in the VFL since 1896, yet have only won one premiership, and that was by a solitary point back in 1966. Fremantle Dockers, you got them to, to their only grand final, They're a relatively new team, but have been around for a while, but come from a traditional football heartland, Fremantle, very famous area in Western Australia. And St Kilda have, uh, for a number of years, gone by the motto of expect the unexpected. There was always something that would blow up at St Kilda. You were able to harness both of those teams for a good period in time and get them, not quite to the ultimate success, but to become very successful clubs. You summed it up. One was a traditional Melbourne um, suburban football club that grew into the AFL. And the other one was an expansion team in, in Western Australia, the second expansion team over there. So what I found at St Kilda, if I look back on it, and it was part of the reason I left in the end, you know, it was a bit of a shock move, but historically... They'd slaughtered their coaches very quickly and, and moved them on. They lacked stability in administration and governance and the ability to stick to the plan for a long period of time, which tells me that there's people that influence that club that can, can stress it very quickly and can wobble it. But the people there embraced me. I loved my time there. Um, and it was a club without resource and a lot of debt, but a really loyal, committed fan base that are really passionate. So, and Fremantle, um, uh, on the other hand, uh, the, as you said, their expansion club, yeah. fantastic facilities that you helped build. So you helped transition yeah. in, into where they're going to now. Their, their facilities yeah. weren't that great when you took over, but now they've got magnificent uh, training yeah. facilities and everything really at their disposal. Yeah. They go into this game with, with one win from last week with a new coach, Justin Longmuir, up against St Kilda who are flying. Uh, tell us quickly about the Fremantle Dockers that, uh, that you know. Well... Uh, the second team in that town, West Coast, were the first licensed team. And are really the big end of town, the corporate end of town. Fremantle is really the working class, really down to earth, deep roots in, in the football. And I loved it there. But when I, when I felt I took it over, they'd played in two final series, I think, in 16 years. And we know they had no real relevance on the East Coast. And really, I felt they got pushed around. So went over there. I was really clear on what I thought it needed to be done. They're a club hungry to succeed. The player group had a couple of champion players. And, and we just build an anywhere, anytime motto. You know, in the end, rather than being a laughing stock, people really didn't want to play the Dockers. Um, we're pretty tough. And, and we're prepared to stand our ground. And, and we upset a few people along the way. Um, we didn't get it done, which is, you know, probably eats away at me a little bit. Same as St Kilda, but... They're a club with great resource. So I think it's only a matter of time if you get they get the recruiting and the management and the plan right. So I love my time out there. Beautiful place to live. But it's great to be home now in, in icy cold Melbourne. Good on you, Ross, and uh, good to be part of uh, uh, Footy Classified with you, mate. I'm enjoying you being back in the media or being in the media these days and on Triple M. Ross, thank you very much for taking the time, mate. Brian, as always, great stuff talking football with you, mate, and I hope you've enjoyed it. As Aussie Footy Rules America with Eddie Maguire, Brian Taylor and Ross Lyon, our special guest today on Sirius XM, Dan Patrick, Radio Channel 211. Sit back now and enjoy Brian Taylor's call of all the action of St Kilda and Fremantle alongside him, James Brayshaw, the great man Wayne Carey, one of the greatest players of all time, and Billy Brownless on Triple M. Here it is. It's St Kilda and Fremantle.